This is the Gopher Puck Live podcast, episode number 22, recorded Tuesday, March 27th, 2012. to do it in a playoff game against the University of North Dakota and give your team a three-goal lead. How about that? Minnesota keeps it along the boards. North Dakota centers a backhand shot right off by Parks. And a huge save. Fully up the boards and here's Condon. He's got a breakaway. Going in, he shows. He scores! Yeah, baby, we're going to Florida! One Gophers, 407 left. They're not going to be denied tonight. Oh, look at the green jerseys leaving the building. What a sweet sight it is. <laughs> this is the crowd. Ah, you gotta love it. Wally and Frank at their best. Must thank Gopher Sports and Learfield for that audio. It's just some great stuff. 
Welcome to the Gopher Puck Live podcast. I am your host, Jupiter. I'm a little on the weather, so hopefully I don't sound too bad. And of course, I'm joined here by Cardinal and Hammy. Guys, we're going to the Frozen Four. Are you jacked? Absolutely. All right. Cardinal. Oh, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, beginning of the season, you know, Grand Forks Herald had them picked, finished, fifth or sixth, whatever it was, you know. We had them fourth, fifth, third in air. They're going to the Frozen Four. Cardinal, your initial thoughts. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things, one of the good things maybe about the last few years is the expectation bar definitely got lowered a little bit and it wasn't, you know, as high as it was, you know, obviously coming off the two national championships in the early 2000s. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough to put into words, you know. It's awesome. That, in fact, go to the Frozen Four, you eliminate North Dakota and, um, you know, you couldn't really have it set up any better in terms of the way last weekend went to end their season and uh, move on to Tampa. So, yeah, it's awesome and big, you know, big time credit to Lucia for persevering and getting through all the assholes like me saying he was done and <laughs> didn't have it anymore and blah, blah, blah. That's why he's a coach and I'm an emotional rube. And, um, you know, hey, there's nothing credit. wrong with being an emotional rube. The team sucked. That's right. Well, yeah, they did. And But to his credit, they turned it around in a big way and he made a gutsy decision to bring Mike Gensel back, which obviously had a huge impact on things. And uh, one year, I can't remember who it was recently, it was Johnny Pohl with PA or whatever. I'm talking about, well, they bring Gensel back and they win the league title and now they're going to the Frozen Four. So maybe not a coincidence after all. <laughs> Hammy, a couple weeks ago, they get killed by uh, North Dakota. Complete collapse third period. What are your thoughts on the reversal? Well, I mean, I kind of, not to toot my own horn, but I kind of did say <laughs> that I thought that this would happen. I mean, I I really believe, just from my own personal experience, I've been, of course, not on this level, but, uh, you know, I've ha- I've been in that environment where you got your ass beat by, you know, your rival, and then you get a chat at them basically the, you know, the day later, in this case, a week later. And, you know, I think you can't underestimate that. I, I do understand why, like, Lucia and, you know, would be playing that whole you know, revenge factor down and all that because you kind of want it to be about the game. You don't want the players to get too emotional and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if it were a month later, you know, or uh, or the next season or something along those lines, I'd say, yeah, that whole revenge talk and, you know, getting, your, you know, some payback, that's all overrated. But when you're talking the next week and it's in the NCAAs, I don't think it's overrated. I do believe that those guys have a lot of pride. And if you look at how they've performed this season – you know, they've done a pretty good job being resilient when they've lost a game other than, you know, the Denver series. They've been pretty resilient all year. So I'm not entirely shocked by that. I, you know, I, I, I quite honestly thought North Dakota would play a little tougher than they did, but maybe they were just gassed because they had played three games at the, you know, WCHA Final Five. And then you have, you know, the night before and the Gophers basically had one game and, you know, hadn't played in two weeks or whatever, essentially. So, I mean, you know, I think there's a combination of factors, but I, I'm not entirely surprised, and I'm real happy and proud of the guys that they were resilient. Well, let's take a look back at the whole regional, not just the North Dakota game. Uh, obviously, the Gophers kicked it off with a 7-3 to victory over Boston University. Ryan, I was a bit nervous about that game because, obviously, Boston University's got the history and They've got a goalie that's won a, fro- uh, won a national title. Uh, what did you think of that game? 
Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit last week. I was honestly maybe a little bit more nervous about that game just in terms of, you know, how they would come out and, you know, maybe, you know, the look-ahead factor to, you know, they knew at the time that, you know, in all likelihood they'd be playing North Dakota. And then, you know, with obviously the North Dakota game happening before that, they for sure knew. So, um, you know, like Lucia talked about too, it probably helped that they were playing a team that, um, you know, traditionally is really good and, you know, with Boston University and not, you know, kind of a one-off like a union or somebody like that where they might be really good this year, but um, traditionally they aren't that good. So it might be easy for a group of guys to kind of overlook them. But um, yeah, you know, as the game got going, it was just, you know, it was not unwatchable, but it was close to that just with all the penalties. And I know, you know, Frank Mazzacco tweeted after the second period that there had been more time played either shorthanded or four on four than there had, you know, in full strength and um, just a lot of back and forth. And I mean, I see you a little bit worried just because BU had really good special teams, just like the Gophers did. So um, that maybe played in their hands a little bit more than it played into the Gophers. But um, yeah, when Sacchetti scored that goal in the third period and, you know, that pretty much iced it. And um, yeah, it was a good hard fought game. And I think it, you know, kind of prepared them pretty well for what was, uh, what was to come the following day. Hammy, what are your thoughts on the first game? I mean, I think it was, you know, kind of, which just showed the kind of resiliency that they've had all year. I mean, they, they go up, they get tied, they go up, they get tied, you know, I mean, you, you know, you could certainly make an argument that in past years they would have, you know, maybe folded a little bit because, you know, the other team wasn't just, you know, we weren't able to get that two goal lead or that, you know, I mean, especially after that North Dakota game, you kind of could say, well, you know, is this going to be the time of the game when they tied it two two, you could have been like, well, you know, is this where the the Gophers are going to lose some momentum and uh, you know feel the pressure or whatever? But you know, to their credit, they built that lead back up and you know they maintained it for the whole game. And uh, I, I just think it's great that uh, they were able to kind of prove themselves after the prior week. But uh, yeah, it was a good game, and I thought it was great to show. You know, usually you kind of see these NCAA games be a little bit uh, lower scoring and you know maybe a little tighter checking or whatever and uh, we certainly didn't see that from the gophers side of things at least uh, this weekend and then on the other side of the bracket we had western michigan and north dakota playing each other obviously and north dakota basically you know a 2-1 win you know they got the empty net goal in there to make it 3-1 i thought that game was i mean we thought it could be tricky but i don't know i thought north dakota did not play that well but i also think that Western Michigan was part of the reason they didn't play well. They played really well defensively. Cardinal? Yeah, it was, um, you know, definitely a weird game. And, you know, Western's a team that obviously, you know, being a WCHA fan, you don't see a lot. And it's kind of, I mean, you don't want to diminish them. But, you know, if I'm flipping around on a Friday or Saturday night where the Gophers are off or whatever, I mean, I'm not going to gravitate necessarily towards a Western Michigan game. But um, just in reading about them, you know, the week ahead, and, you know, obviously they had a really impressive run late in the season. And, um, you know, it's a team that had been definitely on the rise. And their coach left to be the assistant for the Red Wings. And then they replaced him with Andy Murray. So, um, you know, a guy with NHL experience, and obviously, was, I think it was his kid that went to North Dakota or nephew or whatever it was. But um, you know, definitely good bloodlines and that whole thing, and you know, somebody who's you know pretty well established. And he had them play well. I mean, they were you know kind of up against it, and that you know you could see they didn't have a lot of offensive firepower. And they, if they were going to win, you know, it would have to be a you know two one three two type of game. And um, you know, they held close, and you know, they had a you know it was tight in the third period. And I'm sure if you you know ask Western, that's they'd take that every time where they're in it with a chance to you know tie it at some point, and hopefully you know, force the Sioux to make a mistake. But, um, yeah, you know, in the end, it's just North Dakota had a little bit more firepower up front. I think that was the difference in the game. Anything surprise you in that game, Hammy? And in terms of I thought it would be a little be a little more lower scoring and, uh, 
you know, that's kind of how it ended up being. You know, North Dakota got a few bounces that were advantageous. And, you know, that's kind of sometimes all you really need in those in NCAA games. Obviously, when you're a one-and-done situation, all it takes is a, a bounce here or there. And the next thing you know, the game's over and your season's over. So it kind of went the way I expected. Okay, well, then obviously, North Dakota-Minnesota rematch. Um, 5-2 final for Minnesota. I'm, there are a lot of strange things that kind of happened in that game, like a goal from Travis or from Boyd. What, what, what's the deal with Boyd? He finally got on the board, Hammy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I guess better late than never. And then if you're going to get them, you know, what, what you're right. Time? Good time to get the goal. Yeah, you know, I mean, I. But, I mean, you're going to kind of need those kinds of performances at this time of the year. I mean, you sort of expect when you get to these really high-level games. I know the whole talk is, you know, your best players have to play their best games at the most important times. But, you know, I think a lot of times when I think back to, you know, the Gophers of past years where they were real successful in NCAAs, you know, there were – guys like Weibel scoring, you know, I mean, you had guys that were kind of pitching in that, you know, maybe weren't necessarily the frontline guys that were scoring big goals. And so to see, you know, guys like Sacchetti and, and Boyd scoring goals in real key moments and of the game, I think that that certainly um, is, a, is a nice sign as we move forward to the frozen four, because it's, that's what we're probably going to need. You know, if we're going to end up winning the whole thing, we'll need more of those contributions. Well, it seems like some guys also kind of got off the schneid there, don't you think, Cardinal? I mean, Matson scored for the first time in a long time. Marshall had a nice blast on a setup from Budish. It was good to kind of get these third liners and defensemen going. Well, yeah, and we had talked about it for how long where, you know, scoring had been an issue for this team, and especially the second half of the year. I mean, yeah, early in the year they, you know, put up 10 at Duluth on, you know, the two games that weekend and were kind of ringing up goals. And, you know, the biggest difference probably, I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, Rowan Buke said those two kind of cooled off in the middle of the season. But, you know, that third line, and we had, you know, touched on it last week where, you know, that those guys had kind of fallen off. And, you know, McConnell and Mattson in particular, I mean, they're always going to be, you know, great penalty killers and they're going to give you hard minutes and they'll probably, you know, keep the puck in the other team's end. But, um, you know, they weren't scoring like they had at some of the points earlier in the season. And, um, you know, again, I don't know whose idea it was, but putting Travis Boyd up there got those guys going in a big way. And, um, you know, you look at this weekend, I think that's a reason for optimism. You know, it's not like they had to grind out a couple 2-1 wins or something kind of like they've done all year, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, going against Boston College, you know, it's going to be a pretty big mountain to climb if you're only going to be able to score a couple goals. So, you know, I think scoring, you know, 10, you know, non-empty net goals this past weekend, um, you know, bodes pretty well for the offense heading against, you know, another big-time defensive team. I think it's the kind of the common thread of all the Frozen Four teams is that, you know, there's big-time goaltenders and, um, you know, none bigger than what Boston College is going to roll out. But um, with the way the forwards went, you know, especially getting, like you guys touched on, the depth scoring that, um, you know, this team had kind of gotten away from here maybe the last month and a half. Um, like I said, I think that bodes fairly well for uh, next weekend. So what do you guys think about Patterson's role this weekend? Obviously, he gave up a ton of goals against North Dakota. Obviously, we don't think a lot of them were his fault. But I think, you know, the fact that they didn't get give up too many goals and he looked pretty good, it's got to bode well for the Frozen Four, Hammy. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, in particular in the uh, North Dakota game early on, you know, he made a couple of real – key saves i can't remember who it was that it was where he made that kind of toe save you know off of a tip or whatever yeah i mean that was when it was still zero zero and you know it was that was a huge save and you know i think that the one i look back on the weekend i think you know and you can probably say this for a lot of gopher games you know when they get up early 
you know, and they kind of build that momentum and confidence, even if the game eventually gets tied later in the game, I think they generally throughout most of the season have, you know, been successful in those games. And so it, the, the times that I remember them generally struggling has been when they were kind of down, you know, early on and they kind of had to fight back to, you know, and I think that's probably, you're going to see that with most teams, of course, but I think in particular, given the circumstances of the prior week, it was important to get off to a good start and to see him make some big saves, you know, like I said, in that North Dakota game in particular, you know, I think it was huge. Well, I also think that I don't think he really gave up any bad goals at all. I mean, even tough goals. I mean, you think about the Crystal goal, and it takes a weird bounce off the stanchion, bounces over a player's stick, and Crystal just turns and shoots. And I, I thought the Lamaru goal towards the end was also, you know, a lot of traffic out front. So Cardinal, I think he looked pretty good overall. Yeah, he was kind of – you didn't notice him a lot this weekend. I think, yeah, you know, that's, obviously, that's exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially, I mean, the second period of the Sioux game, I mean, North Dakota only had the two shots. But, you know, in the third period, they played pretty well. I mean, North Dakota came at the Gophers hard, which, again, you'd expect them to do. Obviously, their season's on the line, and they had to have a pretty big effort. But, um, you know, I didn't. I was there in fan mode on Sunday, so I didn't have the um, detailed box score. But it seemed like the Gophers blocked a hell of a lot of shots in the third period. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of guys taking them right to the gut, right, you know, 10, 15 feet in front of the net. But, um, you know, they had the one that hit the pipe, I think, that Simpson uh, laced in there. But... Other than that, I mean, he wasn't giving up a lot of rebounds either, and not that he's you know notorious for that, like Briggs or somebody like that, who, yeah, he had a lot of success, but there was definitely flaws. Um, but I think you know, a lot of pucks, especially against North Dakota, I mean, when they came in, you know, he was able to freeze it, and that's huge. I mean, you got guys, you know, North Dakota's obviously strong down low with, you know, Nelson and Corbin Knight and guys like that that, you know, can give, you know, some of the smaller defensemen a little bit of an issue. So if you're not kicking out rebounds, um, I think that's huge. And, you know, you heard Lucia, I think it was on his radio show on Monday Night Talk to say, you know, that's going to be a pretty key thing for next weekend with you know how hard boston college goes to the net so hopefully again that uh bodes well for the gophers well besides playing well defensively i also like that they didn't until the very end maybe the last five minutes or so you know after they got their fifth goal they were in full-on mode the whole game they didn't really shut down uh offensively until those you know after the condon goal and i think that was a real positive and even when they did have to shut down the offense they really did close them down, Hammy. I mean, there was, like you said, Cardinal, there were blocking shots everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I, that was the thing that I was always concerned about going into this, this weekend is you can't, you. I mean, I think it's natural, maybe when you know that uh, if you lose a game, it's not going to be the, the end of the season. Maybe you can kind of mentally let up, even in a Final Five game, maybe you can kind of take that attitude. But you get to this time of the year, you just absolutely have to keep the hammer down. And I think that maybe that was probably, I'm sure that was drilled into their head throughout the week. I mean, they experienced that, you know, what can happen the week before. And, but in, you know, especially in these games there, you know, you can't blame anybody for trying to run up the score, trying to, you know, put the hammer down and keep scoring goals, no matter what the score is, because you're like, hey, you know, this is a game that if we lose, we're done. So we kind of keep playing that way. And I think that that's just generally the attitude you have to have moving forward. You know, you can't be taking that kind of conservative, you know, like football, you know, prevent defense type of an attitude. You kind of have to keep the hammer down and, um, you know, that's the way it should be. And I hopefully that's how they're going to be playing moving forward. Well, let's take a look at some of the other regions. Um, let's go over to the East Regional. We had uh, Union taking out Michigan State 3-1, to bit of a controversial non-goal call there. On the other side, we had Miami and Massachusetts Lowell, where 
Lowell jumped out to the lead. Miami roared, or Miami, yeah, roared back, tied it. Lowell wins in overtime. And finally, Union takes out uh, Lowell 4-2. to two. Do you guys have any thoughts on that whole uh, region? Hmm. I, you know, really didn't see a heck of a lot of those games in particular for that region. I, I can't say that I'm too surprised. I was a little surprised that uh, um, the way that Miami kind of played, I mean, in terms of early in that game, I mean, they certainly made a nice comeback and everything, but uh, they didn't seem really prepared. And I don't know. I know that Miami sort of been up and down when it came to the NCAA. Sometimes they get to the frozen four and everything, but They've sort of been like uh, Hackstall's teams, where they're you know they'll do have some success, but they really haven't gotten over the hump, and and uh, that you know it's kind of a I think a, the way that they've generally been, they've gotten to some frozen fours, but uh, yeah, in that game particularly, they just didn't look ready to play early on. Cardinal, what did you think about the Derek Shepard call of taking that goal away from Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of par for the course, right? You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, if there's going to be a controversy in terms of officiating in the, uh, but I guess, you know, to the WCHA officials' credit, I mean, we complain about them all year, but then as soon as we get to a regional and have ECAC officials and there's whistles every two minutes, then we uh, kind of, you know, so it's kind of one of those things as a fan, you're going to bitch about it either way. But yeah, I mean, that was obviously a tough call and, you know, in a game that was, you know, tight game like that i mean it's not like it was a seven to six type game or whatever i mean yeah it was a difficult call for michigan state but um you know again i'm kind of like hammy i wasn't uh, too focused on that bracket just in terms of what it was on i mean the only game really there i watched a ton of was the umass little miami game on friday night i think it was and um yeah it's too bad for miami i mean they looked god awful for two periods and then they turned it on and um you know i thought they you know probably were the one team there that had the firepower to take down union but if you don't play for two-thirds of the game against uh you know again umass Lowell, they're not great but you know they're a solid enough team where you get down three nothing it's going to be tough to come back and to their credit they pushed it to overtime but obviously lost and yeah i mean union keeps on rolling again it's it's a weird thing it's not a team any of us really know a lot about but you know here they are in the frozen four so credit to them well let's move on to the midwest regional where uh cornell took out the number two seed michigan three to two in overtime we had denver losing to ferris two to one and then ferris defeating cornell two to one to make it to the frozen four any quick thoughts on that one well i mean i thought that uh it was interesting watching michigan lose that game i mean i oh darn <laughs> yeah i mean i kind of you know i actually thought they'd come out of that bracket but uh you know it just goes to show you sometimes those uh, results can be rather unpredictable when you get to this and you know, Denver, what can you say? I mean, it, they were dinged up, and certainly uh, you didn't know who was going to be doing what, you know, who's going to actually be seeing the ice. And, uh, you know, they've been inconsistent all year despite all that talent they've had. And uh, so I guess I can't say I'm entirely shocked that they lost that game. Ryan, Michigan, yeah. Michigan taken out. That kind of messed yeah. up a lot of brackets. It did, and, you know, you talk about teams that get favorable draws, and this isn't a slight on Duluth, but, you know, I mean, that was a big part of what happened last year. They got sent out east and, you know, got a pretty soft region, and they were able to take advantage of it, which, again, a lot of teams don't, and we've seen North Dakota go out east and lose to Yale the one year, and they lost New Hampshire, I think, the other year, so not everyone can take advantage of it, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, big time credit to Ferris State. I mean, they you know got a favorable draw in that. You know, they played a Denver team that was pretty tired and beat up, and they were able to win that game. And um, yeah, you know, with Cornell, I mean, that's always the worry is that you know again as a WCHA fan, you don't see him a ton, but you can pretty much guarantee they're going to have a really good goalie. And Andy Isles is just that, and you know he kind of stood in his head there for stretches and. Um, you know, kind of unfortunate way for Michigan to go out, but um, you know, again, now as a fan of a team that's in the Frozen Four, I'd much rather play anyone else in that bracket aside from Michigan. So, um, as it turns out, it worked out okay. But um, yeah, you know, again, Ferris State—it's a team that you don't know a ton about, but just in looking at everything, kind of, I mean, a lot of juniors and seniors, and they're not a lot of 22-year-old seniors. I mean, it's definitely an older team with a lot of you know, 23, 24, 25 year old kids and that's how they do it. And, um, you know, so credit to them. That's, you know, their formula and this year it was successful and they're in the frozen four. And finally, the Northeast earn regional Boston college taking out air force two to nothing. A little surprise score there. I think Maine jumps out to a lead on Duluth and Duluth storms back and beats him five, two. And then of course, you know, Boston college shuts out Duluth in the final four to nothing. Hammy. Did you see any of those games? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see really too much of the BC Air Force game, um, so I can't really say too much about that. The only thing that I find interesting about that is uh, Saratori was in town after they lost and uh, apparently was out with Lucia after the Gophers won on Sunday night, and uh, I'm sure that they had a nice conversation about you know Boston College strengths and weaknesses and all that kind of good stuff, so I'm sure Lucia got a little bit of a you know, a scouting report of sorts from a coach who had just played them. So uh, that probably won't hurt the Gophers moving forward. Um, as far as the Duluth goes, I mean, I, you know, I kind of thought that Maine was going to give them trouble. And I, when I saw that they were up to nothing, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of how I thought it might be. But you have to give credit to Duluth, you know, like they've kind of been a pretty good team all year as far as comebacks go. And uh, to storm back and win that game uh, certainly is impressive. And, uh, you know, in the, the final, I mean, you kind of have to go with BC. I mean, I, I think that we all called BC last week. I don't remember for sure, but I know that I did. But um, you kind of have to give them the, the nod, the way they had been playing, and certainly being, you know, pretty much, you know, near home. And, you know, it's not a real a huge surprise that they'd win that game. And, uh, you know, I give Duluth a lot of credit. I tip my hat to them as far as what they've done here in the last year or so. And uh, I certainly won't miss the likes of Jack Connolly and JT Brown. I know – Drunk hockey guy certainly will, but uh, I certainly will not. Uh, those guys are real good players, especially Connolly. I mean, he's been a great four-year player and, you know, one of the best we've seen in, in the WCHA in probably in the last 10 years, certainly. And uh, won't be sad to see him go, but I'm sure he'll have a good, at least a pretty good chance at a good pro career. But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, nothing too surprising that came out of that bracket. Yeah, and you know, with Duluth, and you know, watch, um, you know, was able to get to the bar after the game on Sunday night to watch a good chunk of the you know Duluth BC game. And even though it was two nothing, and you kind of knew Duluth was going to make a charge. And that, I mean, I know Kenny Ryder and Gopher fans have kind of given him crap over the years, and um, you know, but he won a national title, so just like Adam Helzer and on down the list. But that goal he gave up to start the third period from that you know just little lob shot from the boards. I honestly, I thought Duluth had it in him, and they played really well that third period. I mean. That Parker Milner made a lot of big saves, and Duluth had so many point blank chances. But I think 
just, you know, there's such a big difference between 2 nothing and 3 nothing, And, um, you know, I think if it, you know, could have been 2 nothing in Duluth, meaning they had power plays up and down that third period and just so many, again, point-blank chances for guys like, you know, JT Brown and Alexic and Seidel and these guys that, you know, have buried it all year. And for whatever reason, I mean, a lot of it, you know, again, is going to go to Boston College. Their decor and goaltending is outstanding. But, um, yeah, I thought Duluth would make a charge, and they definitely, you know, played good in that third period. But, um, you know, I think, like I said, that third goal that was really soft was kind of the backbreaker. Going back to the Maine Duluth game, did any of you guys uh, see the replay of Maine's second goal? Uh, you probably have to refresh my memory. On I that. didn't see it myself, but it was explained to me that uh, the main goal was knocked off, clearly knocked off its pegs. Oh, okay. But yeah. Maine had the puck. There was no whistle, so they kept skating up the ice, and it pretty much felt like that the Duluth players thought. The, the play had stopped. The game you know, had stopped. They went down and scored and went up 2 to nothing. And apparently there's some obscure <clears> rule that I had never heard of that if your net is knocked off and you have the puck, play continues. Have any of you guys ever seen that or heard of anything like that? I've seen it, I want to say, somewhat recently, and it might be it might have been at the NHL level in one of my beloved Philadelphia Flyer games, but it's something I have seen recently, and I can't remember if it was college or a game I was at. It's a, I don't know. It's a weird deal, but, again, I didn't see that happen this weekend. I read about it, I think, on Twitter. I saw it kind of in passing, and, you know, the regionals, there's so many games going on, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. But yeah. as you described it, again, I definitely, it's something I've seen, and when I saw it, I mean, it made sense to me, but again, it's not something I'd seen a lot, so it was surprising. But yeah, when I kind of thought it out, it's like, okay, I, I kind of get where they're going with that, just to keep the play moving. And you know, it's one of those things where if it burns your team, you're super pissed about it. But if it goes in your favor, you're like, oh yeah, that's great, right? So, did, did you see the replay of it? I, have I not, didn't know. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't see it either. So, for some reason, I I don't remember, but I do remember hearing afterwards kind of the explanation that they gave on television and i i absolutely think it's the right call to make because you know you could hypothetically say okay if the other team goes on a breakaway you could just shove your net off and what that's automatically going to kill uh you know the the play in the game you know i mean that's just to me that's the right call to make that you know you shouldn't have a team benefiting i mean it depends of course who how the net came off too of course I don't know that. I don't know. I don't remember seeing, you know, how that actually actually happened. Um, if it was, you know, through incidental contact or, if, you know, what happened as far as how it came off. But I do think it's the right call to make. You shouldn't punish a team if they're on a, a rush the other direction to uh, suddenly blow the, the game dead, you know, just because of something that happened at the end of the rink that's, you know, not their fault necessarily. So, yeah, I, I think that's the right call to make. All right, well, before we move on to the Frozen Four, um, I'm just going to go through a bunch of Twitter questions that I've seen here. Um, we got Emobi asking, what happened to Bukestead during the last few games? Didn't look like he did much in either game. And I would say I would kind of agree with him. Has uh, Bukestead re- recovered from his injury or whatever happened to him? Because I think he just hasn't been quite there the last few weeks. Yeah, I know Ryan and I were talking a little bit about this uh, on Twitter. Um, I I would be surprised. You know, I he definitely doesn't seem like you know quite as active as he. And I think that that you could look at how he was in the first half compared to the second half, and you know, I mean, he hasn't been quite as dominant as he was early on in the season. And I and I know that. 
we talked about the world juniors, you know, he had that little injury right before that. And I heard that that was going to be something that would probably linger throughout the rest of the season, um, that he could play with it. It was just depending upon, you know, how much of a tolerance he could to handle that kind of stuff. And, and of course we saw what happened, you know, he got dinged up against UNO and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he is a hundred percent right now. I mean, he still has been, had his effective moments, but he certainly hasn't been, you know, as dominant. I mean, you kind of look at like, uh, Brock Nelson certainly has, you know, he came on pretty strong in the second half. And, and I say to myself, well, I don't think it's because one guy is suddenly getting better than the other guy. I think it's because one guy is probably dinged up and maybe we don't know, you know, typically coaches kind of keep that under wraps. I just think that he's a little dinged up personally. Yeah, I'm right there with Hammy. I mean, it seems like since the, um, you know, in Omaha where he got, you know, that big hit at the end of the second period of the Saturday night game, didn't play the third, and you know, he missed the Friday night Wisconsin game, came back on Saturday. But, yeah, since then he's kind of, you know, he just hasn't been the same self. I mean, he seemed like kind of once or twice a week and he'd pull that inside-out move where he'd go on a defenseman kind of like Vanek did in the regionals against Ferris State and Mercyhurst back in the day. It seems like he kind of had that move down, and, you know, it seemed like the power play kind of ran through him as opposed to, um, you know, Nate Schmidt and Howlow where it's kind of going now. And, you know, there's just so many instances in the start of the year where you just see him, you know, whistle shots into the top of the net or even, you know, put him off the glass. But just because, you know, he shot so many times and he always tries to pick the top corner and obviously had a lot of success doing it. But now, you know, in the last you know month or whatever, you don't see him shooting a lot. And um, But I, you know, I did think he looked really good in the third period on Sunday. I mean, I think that was probably his best period he's had in maybe a month. And, um, you know, that's the classic case of if it's kind of a season-long thing and whatever that, you know, getting a few extra days off here could definitely help him, uh, you know, get ready for, you know, probably the biggest game of his college career next Thursday. Yeah, he's definitely been off a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, like Ryan said, it's definitely not going to hurt to have, you know, a, a good extra three or four days before, mm-hmm. you know, you normally have to play. So he'll get that little extra rest. I'm sure that'll help matters as well. Drunk hockey guy wondering what time the dogs play. They don't. <laughs> Zach Wool asking, will Dr- the Drew Shore signing have an effect on the way the Panthers handle Bukestead? Well, another thing that Ryan and I talked about offline. I, okay. Uh, I have gone back and forth on it personally. I, I At first I'm like, yeah, he's pretty much a lock to go. And then you kind of start to hear that, well, you know, he kind of might want to stay in his – Sounds like his family kind of would prefer that he stays. Um, you know, I usually tend to lean towards, well, what does the NHL team want? But it's I've seen where, you know, they, they've, I know their GM was a talent, I think. You know, he said he's not the pressuring type. So if the guy wants to stay, whether that's true or not, you know, whether that's just media fodder, I don't know. But, um, you know, I really don't know what to say at this point. I think he'll have a decision to make. Certainly, I think they'll they'll certainly take him if they want him. You know, if if he wants to go, I should say. And um, I don't know. I Ryan, I probably would say a little differently. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, it's a tough deal. And you know, you look at Florida and just you know, it's a weird team and that they you know completely blew up the roster 
you know, this past season and now all these new guys and, um, you know, I just pull up their, you know, kind of their cap thing on cap geek. And, you know, it seems like a lot of those guys are back next year. And I think, you know, in terms of prospects, I mean, they've obviously had a lot of high picks the last few years and, um, you know, with Drew Shore signing and then, you know, another kid, Jonathan Huberdeau, who plays, um, in the Quebec league. And he was a kid who it sounded like he almost made their team out of camp this season. And he's kind of like you said, where he's a, you know, he was the, I think the third or fourth pick in the draft this past summer. So, I mean, he's obviously, big time as well and um you know again he stayed back there to kind of fill out and he plays for st john's up there and they're the defending uh champs up there for the memorial cup so he sounds like he's a kid that's definitely going to sign too so i mean I, I don't know i mean you can only sign so many of these guys at once i mean do you want an entire influx one year and you know a couple of them are probably going to make the team but you know and then another few are going to go to the minors so you know again i don't know it's like hammy said it's one of those things where you're going to you know, the longer it drags out, you're going to hear things one way or another, and you're going to try to argue it. Well, you know, it might do him some good to stay personally. And this isn't just as a Gopher fan. I think it would. He's the classic case of it can't hurt for him to stay another year. I mean, he accelerated his studies. Um, he's you know he's definitely put on some weight and some muscle, but he's still not you know what I would you know thick body or anything like that. Um, so and especially with you know the shoulder injury, and if that um, or if it is a shoulder again around the World Junior time, I think that was pretty public that it was something around the shoulder. You know if there's an off season surgery to be had, and then you know you got to rehab that. So I don't know. I think he again. I think he's the case where he should definitely stay. But um, you know you've seen it too many times over the years where you start to hear people on a board say, oh I talked to so and so, and I think he's going to stay and. They end up leaving. So, again, I think as a Gopher fan, you pretty much have to assume he's going to go. And if for some reason he ends up staying, then that's fantastic news, and it makes next year's team just that much better. You know, and the other thing I'd point out is that it's not apples to apples when you're talking about Drew Shore and Nick Bukestad. I mean, Shore's, you know, he's already uh, 21. He's been in college three years, so, you know, Panthers probably didn't want him to get to his senior year and possibly have to risk losing him. That's good point. Um, you know, Bukestad hasn't even turned 20 yet. He's only been in college two years, so the Panthers still have his – you know, draft rights for a couple more years. So it's you know, not exactly apples to apples, and they probably can take a little more patient approach with Bukeset if they want to. Yeah, and, you know, the one more thing to add, too, is, you know, this offseason is going to be, you know, kind of weird, I think, you know, with the NHL, and especially once their season ends with the collective bargaining agreement. I mean, that's up in September, and I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a weird deal. I mean, you saw it with, like, the NFL, you know, a year ago where their CBA ended right after the season, so there wasn't, like, an entire offseason that could happen before it ended. So, It'll be interesting to see how NHL teams kind of conduct their business this summer, knowing that. I mean, there's probably going to be pretty big time changes with, you know, you've seen the players take a pretty big hit in both the NBA and the NFL in the last collective bargaining agreements. And you have to think the NHL is heading down that path as well. And, um, you know, there'll be, you know, all sorts of changes from whether you can, you know, send guys to the minors to bury their cap numbers. And, um, you know, I mean, all that stuff is going to be discussed, especially with Donald Fear heading up the NHLPA. I mean, it's going to be exactly. So, again, I, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, you don't know how much NHL teams, I mean, I'm sure they're going to have kind of an idea on what's going to change and what's not, but I mean, is it going to get to a point where they're going to try to sign guys in June because it's looking bad or they're not going to want to. So again, it's just, it's a unique off season from a college perspective in that, you know, the CBA could change and it could change a great deal. Now, whether or not the college part of that changes or not, who knows, but um, obviously it's all connected and especially the financial part of it. So, um, you know, just something to keep an eye on as this off season rolls on. Yeah, and the other thing that I think, I'd, as far as a college standpoint goes, is I think that whole loophole that we saw, like, uh, you know, some guys use after, you know, playing one year, they get drafted and they play a year of juniors and then they have three years of college and then 
withdraw from school. Like uh, was it Gregoire last year? I can't remember who it was, but uh, um, you know they, they're talking about possibly closing that loophole. So you know somebody like say a Danny Cristo, you know he, he has that opportunity, as does uh, Justin Schultz. You know th- those guys, you know that. Th- are they going to want to have to toy with that stuff next year? You know, that kind of something they have to throw into the equation. If that's not going to be there anymore, that might push up decisions like theirs to actually leaving. Another question via Twitter. Andrew Weiss asks, how does Taylor Matson rank among recently past Gopher captains in your guys' opinions? Ugh, that was tough to say. Taylor Matson. Uh, for me, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at captains, you kind of have to look at what's the team, you know, how do they play? You know, what's the, do they take on? You know, I think they usually take on the characteristics of the leadership. Now, I'm not talking necessarily the coaches, but, you know, who's the leaders on the team? And, you know, you can't have to give the Gophers credit. You know, everything I've heard is that, you know, he was obviously a leader in offseason workouts and, you know, really pushed things um, as far as the players go. And, the team has been very resilient this year, and, you know, Matson is just – I think he's a real quality kid. He's had to fight through some injuries, and, uh, you know, I think that when I look back on past Gopher captains, the ones that you really remember are the, are the teams that had some real good success and had a lot of character on them. I mean, you know, the Grant Patolnys and the Leopolds and the Poles, and, you know, those are the guys you remember. Granted, some of that's because of the titles, but nonetheless, you know um, – those are the guys you tend to remember, and I, you know, I think that he's definitely one of the better ones that I, you know I've seen come along in a little while. Yeah, I'll totally agree. I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Well, it's easy to say now because they you only know, made the Frozen Four, but um, you know, I think Madsen's a guy, and you know, this isn't to say other guys haven't cared, but I mean, I think he truly cares. And you know, if you look back, you know, since you know the early two thousands, and some of the guys. You know, some of my favorite captains, you know, maybe not the, you know, high-end name guys, but, you know, like Mikey Benelli. I mean, there's a guy, I mean, I saw him there this weekend. He cares. Like, he's a guy who bleeds maroon and gold, and, um, you know, and that's obviously a pretty key element to being a captain is, you know, some guys you just get it basically in name only because you've kind of stuck around, and uh, by default it kind of has to be you, and I think we've seen that, you know, over the years here, but you know, that's definitely not the case this time around. And I know gophersports.com, people can go read the story about Matson and the off-season training and the forget the name of the drill they do before the start of the year where they're running the steps at Mariucci and then they have to run around the you know, lap at the top and he just blew away. I think Chris Chucko had the record for, you know, all time and, you know, Madsen beat it by like 30 seconds and his heart rate was up to like 220 beats a minute or, you know, I mean, just some insane stuff in terms of how hard he worked this offseason. And, um, you know, the other thing, like Hammy said too, is how he said to fight through the injury stuff. And, um, you know, like Don Lachia said, this is the first playoff games or this year has been the first playoff games he's actually got to partake in just because you know it's been you know the injury bugs bit him at the wrong time so um between all that and you know how hard he works on the ice i mean they're gonna miss him as much as they're gonna miss anybody next season and that includes a guy like nick bukes that if he goes because i mean you look at what madsen does just the little stuff and i mean how hard he worked this weekend i mean the third period i mean every board battle loose puck i mean there was nobody that went harder won most of them i mean went at anybody i mean the kid has just worked so hard and i'll be surprised if he's not if he can stay healthy He'll find his way into the NHL. It might take a little while, but with how hard he works, I mean, you can't tell me he's not going to be a great, you know, third or fourth line guy that, again, is not going to score, but, um, you know, does all the little things. So, yeah, I love him and, you know, hopefully he uh, has success next weekend and down the road as well. well and I think, yeah, I think the other thing you have to remember with him is, you know, he is a lower line guy. So they're really, you know, he isn't a powder that he doesn't have the 
first you know line minutes and the top power play and all that stuff he just does his job and it's kind of like if the if the captain has that kind of an attitude it's hard for the other guys to really whine if they don't have the you know the prime opportunities so that's a good characteristic he scored this weekend so hopefully he can do more of that in the in the coming game um, we've got a few more uh, Twitter questions, but they're kind of uh, Frozen 4 related, so let's move to the Frozen 4. I got here. Let me have one. Oh, you got one? Go ahead. Uh, I got Vikings TD asking uh, what the goalie situation will be next year. Granted, we're looking at the Frozen 4 yet, but uh, he's like, will Wilcox be number one? Uh, will Lucia rotate on weekends? Um We've seen none of these guys. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing I would say, I, I was actually talking to, to somebody who was a scout about this, and he says that Chabrowski is one of the hardest working guys that he's ever been around and that he really believes that the Gophers, and I'm, this is not my words, this is his words, will not miss much of a beat with him being the number one guy rather than you know, replacing Patterson. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that, but that's what I was told, and I'm like, okay, because I haven't seen the kid play since, you know, I think high school, so I, I can't say. But, uh, you know, certainly that's high praise, and I'm sure they'll rotate early on, you know, simply because they want to see who's the, uh, you know, win the battle for the number one job as the uh, season goes on, but certainly that's high praise. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I forget, might have had this kind of the same conversation this weekend with some folks and, you know, goaltending is such a crapshoot. And I mean, you look at, I mean, the national championship game last year, last year, I mean, perfect example of Kenny Ryder versus Sean Hunwick. And I was watching a video that Michigan posted on their Twitter feed today of Red Barons and kind of recapping the season. And, you know, he's like, well, you see what a good judge of goalies I am. Cause I never thought Sean Hunwick would amount to anything. I thought he would be a third string guy and, you know, look what happened to him. I mean, now he's a Hobie finalist, I think, or in the mix, whatever, and one of the best goalies in the nation, put up sick numbers. And, um, you know, I think the key, and I know Hammy's talked about this before, is no 18-year-old goalies. I mean, get guys, and, you know, we're, we're obviously not going to have that Shabrowski between, you know, his junior play and then obviously transferring from CC, so he's got some age on him. Um, you know, same thing with Wilcox. Again, he's kind of young, but, I mean, he's a pretty decent prospect, and he's got – you know, the full USHL season under his belt. But, um, you know, you look at some of the guys that have flamed out and like guys like Frazee where you come in at a young age and you're just not ready to handle it. But, um, yeah, you know, it sounds weird. And obviously there'll be a, probably a little bit of a transition period. But with how good the defense, you know, potentially could be next year and that, you know, obviously having Mike Gensel to coach them. But then, you know, they have such a good group this year. And then you add to it a guy like Mike Riley and Brady Shea, two pretty big-time recruits in terms of defensemen. Um, yeah, I don't think there's going to be huge issues. I mean, maybe you won't have the Patterson that can steal a game necessarily early on, but um, I think between Shabrowski and Wilcox and the you know defensive core in front of them, um, yeah, I don't think there'll be a huge drop-off in terms of the Gophers' defense or anything like that. Well, and Shabrowski's going to be 22 next November. So. Love it. <laughs> he's not, yeah, he's not exactly a youngster, so he'll be ready. Speaking of the Michigan goalie, did you guys see the overtime winning goal for Michigan and Cornell? It's a hell of a save. That but. was one heck of a save. And his, def- not defensive, his forward lack of back check just killed him because that was a great save in overtime. Yeah, so that's how it is. You know, when, at this time of year, everybody's got to hustle back. And, and I've uh, never felt bad for a goalie before, <laughs> except that situation. But he showed a ton of class by taking the puck over and bringing it to the Cornell bench for them to have. Well. So that was a pretty class move by him. All right, guys. 
here we go. Frozen four. About a week and a half away. We've got Ferris State taking on Union. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to say, oh, these, you know, never heard of these teams, blah, blah, blah. Both teams won their leagues. They're not pushovers. I mean, Ferris State to win the CCHA over a team like Michigan or over a team like Miami and up, upstart Western Michigan is no slouch of an achievement. And then obviously Union winning in the ECAC, eh, we might not think of that as good, but they're definitely a rising team. Let's get your thoughts on that matchup, guys. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, I mean, again, it's you're kind of not shooting blank here, but I mean, it's it's tough because you know you haven't seen either team play a lot. But what do you um, mean? We you know, saw them all last year in the Mariucci Classic. Oh yeah, those are <laughs> riveting games where I think the Gophers what lost oh, and tied. I think we yeah. lost to Union and tied Ferris State, but that <laughs> I was then. Throw that now. out there. I know, but I mean, I think you have to favor Union in that. I mean, you look at Ferris State and. Um, you know, they don't maybe, you know, again, they're an older team for sure. And, um, you know, they had you know a pretty nice second half of the season. But, you know, again, just looking at the schedule, I mean, they didn't play a bunch of powerhouses. I mean, Colgate, Alaska, you know, they played Ohio State and Notre Dame in the back half. But those teams were you know abysmal during the second half of the season. And, um, you know, Bowling Green and then they, you know, didn't fare very well against Western Michigan. And then they, you know, lose two out of three at home to Bowling Green and, you know, maybe a blessing in disguise and missing the CCHA tournament. And so, you know, again, they took advantage of their soft schedule, but, um, you know, I think that's something you have to take into account. And, you know, Union, again, I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of want to discount them, but, you know, they're ma- they made it all this way. And, um, you know, they have obviously you know, offensively, defensively, they're sound up and down. And, um, yeah, so I think, you know, again, without having seen either team play a ton, I'd probably give Union the edge in, uh, in the matchup. Yeah, I don't, honestly, for me, I mean, I, I'm kind of same way with Cardinal. It's not like I've saw these teams a bundle of times and, the thing that you kind of have to look at, I mean, I look at strength of schedule, and Union had actually the weakest of the four teams for a strength of schedule. Um, they're like middle of the pack, like like 36th in, in NCAA. And, um, you know, so that you kind of say to yourself, okay, well, is some of the success scheduling related? And, you know, but the one, you know, I think the thing that I had noticed, and I saw this on Twitter as well, that, uh, you know, the, all four teams are in the top eight and defensive, you know, as far as goals against. And uh, so it's, they're all very good defensively. Um, you know, you kind of have to say to yourself, well, you know, what's going to be, and then you have offensively. I mean, um, I know that uh, Minnesota and Union and BC, they're all in the uh, top six. And, uh, you know, so though they're good scoring teams as well. So you kind of say, well, you know, how do you, how does all this work its way out? And I would probably tend to lean with Union simply because I think that uh, they've played real well all year. And, uh, you know, Ferris has been, I think, obviously in a better um, league this year, and so maybe they're a little more tested, so you don't really know how that might play out, but I would probably lean towards Union in that game. And that brings us to the other side of the bracket. And of course, Minnesota taking on number one overall seed, Boston College, for the right to go to the national title game. Um, boy, Boston's rolling. 17 straight, and doing that with a hockey schedule is not easy. These guys are rolling. But you never know. Let's get your guys' thoughts. Hammy, let's kick it off. Well, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm picking the Gophers. I'm riding the train all the way to the championship. So I'm not going nice. to pick against them. I, you know, I'm not going to pick against them. I, certainly I know that 
um, BC, you know, they certainly are definitely capable of beating the Gophers, so it's not going to be a big shock. And, of course, they're going to be the favorite. And I'll be honest with you, to me, that's kind of I kind of like that role for us in that game. I kind of like the fact that we're going into it as, you know, an underdog and, you know, BC's on this big role because the way I look at it, the pressure's kind of on them. I mean, yeah, you kind of overrate that a little bit in the Frozen Four because the pressure's on everybody, so to speak. But, you know, for BC, I think that they're more used to being there, so they have a little bit of advantage in that sense. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, when when you're a first-time team in a sense that none of these Gopher players have been there before, you know, you're just kind of there and you're just like, all right, let's just do what we can. You know, it's kind of like you're youthful in a sense and you, you don't really uh, – maybe have that pressure feeling that maybe a team that's been there, you know, a couple times maybe faces because they know that, hey, you know, this is a big pressure pack situation. And um, BC's experience, I mean, in all the categories, you kind of say, well, they got the advantage. But in a way, like I said, that's kind of a, an advantageous place to be psychologically for the Gophers because it's like, okay, you know, we're the underdog. Let's just, you know, put our best game out there and let the chips fall where they may. And, and I really believe, I mean, the Gophers have the capability of beating anybody, and that includes BC. Whether they'll do it or not, I don't know, but they have the goaltending, and I think that that's always a major factor. You know, they have Patterson's capable of, you know, putting up a great game. And so in these one-game situations, you never know, but I'll pick the Gophers. Yeah, and, you know, you, you look at the matchup, and I think the teams are, you know, fairly even in most spots. I mean, goaltending, obviously, you know, the BC, the Parker Milners maybe got a little bit better numbers, but I, I don't think you could, anyone could really take anybody over Ken Patterson decisively. It might be kind of even with them, but, um, you know, both goalies are obviously sound, and up front, I mean, BC, the you know, depth is always, you know, a thing for them. You know, they're never a one-line team, and, um, you know, they might have, you know, the best forward in the game in Chris Kreider. I mean, that kid, you know, he sounds like he's going to go pretty much straight from BC to the Rangers and be a maybe even a top-six forward for one of the best teams in the NHL as soon as their season's done. So, um, you know, he's big time, and they have the um, Johnny Godot, I think it is, the kid who, you know, Lucia talked about it again in his show where he's committed to Northeastern, and then their coach got fired, and so he ended up at BC, and he's got 20-some goals as a freshman. But, um, you know, if the Gophers can get the same kind of play out of that third line that they did, um, you know, at the regional, you know, they're going to match up three lines with them well, and they, I can't imagine with the TV timeouts that the fourth lines are going to be, you know, much of a factor in the game. I mean, obviously killing penalties and stuff like that, but um, probably not going to get a lot of play. So, you know, I think, you know, what we saw, you know, coming out of the regional for Boston College is how good their blue line is. And, you know, that's one of the areas where they probably do have the edge and that they're, you know, have some more star power back there and, you know, some pretty good size. And it's, you know, it's going to, they're going to make it tough on the Gophers when they're going to the net. So, you know, I think it's going to be a really even game, and I'm with Hammy. I think, you know, when a one-game shot where the Gophers are the underdog and, um, you know, they're playing good hockey right now, and, again, I think the leadership is strong, and, um, yeah, I see no reason why the Gophers can't go down there and pull the upset. Will they do it? Again, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make that pick yet. I might have to, because that's the thing. Last week I picked early. Monday, I know on the regional thing, I sent an email to some people, and I picked the Gophers. Then by the podcast, in the middle of the week, I talked myself out of it. And then after Lucia talked, after BU, after that game, and he kind of explained it, I was on board. And I told my wife when we sat down for the game, I'm like, I think we're going to win. This is what I got. So I'm going to ride the wave. As of now, I think I am on the gopher bandwagon in that game. You can call it homerism, whatever. But I think they can do it. You know, the best team doesn't win that often in college hockey. And, you know, BC, if it's a seven-game series, they would absolutely beat the Gophers. But um, I think in one game with the underdog role and uh, how the Gophers are playing right now, I think the, they'll give BC everything they want. Yeah, and that's the thing that people, you know, seem to forget. 
how many times have we really seen the best team, you know, win it in NCAA not too hockey? Often. You know, you can. Yeah, it I mean, happens, but not that often. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I just think that you know you can make that argument that, uh, you know, that that the best team doesn't always win. I mean, that's Red Barron's favorite saying every year in the NCAA's, and uh, you know, I think that there's certainly a lot of validity to that, and so. Um, you know, I think that you can't count any team out. The Gophers certainly have the firepower, the goaltending. They have good, you know, good defensive coaching and players. They've showed it all year long defensively as a team. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, I think that there's no doubt that whoever wins that game is going to be the favorite in the final. And uh, so it's going to be, it'll be fun. And, you know, whatever happens, I'm not going to feel one bit bad about it. As long as the players give it their all, you know, that's all I can ask. And uh, it's been a great year no matter what happens. And I certainly want to win the title, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it's been great. And I'm glad that the players get this opportunity to uh, put their uh, final games, at least for the seniors, uh, on on this kind of a platform. You know, I kind of feel the same way. you know, I'm actually going traveling to my first Frozen Four. I went last year, but obviously that's a local one. And I'm not too worried if they win or lose the game. I'm I'm looking more big picture overall. And right now, you know, Minnesota is back. They're back in the Frozen Four. They're back on top of college hockey where they should be. You know, they're not going to be winning every year, but they're relevant again. And I think that's the most important overall thing from this season winning the league getting to the frozen four and just getting back to minnesota hockey well that's kind of the same attitude i have that's what i was trying to convey is that um you know it's been a great year and to me what's been most important i mean yeah let's we certainly all hope and pray that they win the title don't get me wrong but uh at at a minimum it shows that okay things are kind of back to the way they should be. Things are where we want them to be and where they're expected to be um, with the coaching and, and with the recruiting pipeline and all that kind of stuff. You're like, okay, you know, we can feel good again. We don't have to dwell on some of the things that we had the last few years where we're like, oh, God, you know, are there going to be any changes? And, you know, is this going to be this way for how long? And when are we going to see some results? And, you know, finally we kind of saw that, okay, Things are back on track, and this is the way it should be. And I think that that's going to be the way it's going to be moving forward. You know, for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's awesome that they're relevant again, and you see it. You know, obviously, you know, college hockey and college football not identical, but you see some traditional powers, and that you kind of teeter for a little bit, and you can only do it for so long, and then you worry about you know kind of hitting the downslope for an extended period of time, and not just a you know two three year window. And you know, I think it was pretty critical this year with you know, a pretty strong senior class and Ken Patterson that, you know, this is kind of the year where they needed to write it. And especially when Gensel ended up coming back, you know, that was, you know, so many people. And, you know, I guess I was in that boat too, where it's like, get rid of John Hill. What the hell? He sucks. And, you know, if that wouldn't have been the answer, then you're kind of running out of things. You know, it's like, well, what's going to fix this? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I didn't think Hill was as big of a problem maybe as everyone did at one point, but it's tough to argue it now. I mean, I know there's a lot of variables, but, yeah, I mean, it's awesome that, you know, they're back. And, um, you know, again, there's no reason, like Hammy said, I mean, recruiting has been awesome this year on paper. And, you know, who knows how it's all going to pan out when all these kids end up here. But, um, yeah, it's nothing but positivity right now. And, you know, it's I hope the team doesn't have this attitude. But, you know, as a fan, I mean, I think the rest of the way it's just house money. And whatever damage you can do down there is awesome. But 
you know, if they end up, you know, losing to BC, I think they can, you know, hang their heads high and it was a hell of a good year and lots to, uh, lots to build on moving forward. Got a prediction from our favorite UND goon himself, Eric Burton. He says BC 5-1 over Minnesota. No, no, they're playing Minnesota, not North Dakota. That's usually the BC North Dakota Frozen Four score. I kid, I kid. I kid, I kid. Yeah, I mean, I could see why, you know, I could, you know, I don't think that it's going to be that wide of a margin. I, I would really be real surprised if it's not, you know, a one goal game or maybe a two goal game with an empty net or late. You know, I, I really don't think it's going to be one of those games where one team is just, you know, running over the other one. I, I have a hard time seeing that. I mean, um, you can't rule anything out, you know, but I just have a hard time believing that that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I think not that I've broken down the tape or whatever, but I mean, just in you know watching BC a handful of times this year and kind of knowing the Gophers pretty well, that you know, I think the key to the game is going to be how Minnesota's defense handles Boston College coming at them because like you know BC attacks, they're going to send two four checkers, they're not going to lay back, and you know they go for decor, and you know a handful of guys back there have their you know take their fair share of penalties and you know turning the puck over, and that's going to be tough. I mean, the Gophers and they have a chance to get it out, they need to get it out, and they cannot afford to let. BC, you know, run circles around him because guys like Hall and Helgeson, I mean, they're going to end up taking the hooking penalties and the high sticking and the stuff that, you know, and I mean, it comes with being a defenseman and trying to be physical and all that, but um, I think if the Gophers and get the puck out well and not, you know, get pinned in their own end, um, you know, you, know, you don't want to give BC a ton of power plays with the skill they have, so I think if the Gopher decor can handle their speed and, you know, be efficient with that, and, you know, the Gophers definitely have the bodies back there that can move the puck well enough, you know, can they execute it? Well, we'll see, but, you know, Marshall and Schmidt and Hall at times, I mean, those guys can move the puck pretty well out of their own end. So I think that's uh, that's going to be key more than anything. Well, and the other thing, yeah, the other thing you have to remember is Gophers. I think that our friends at UND kind of taught them a lesson at the right time that you got to learn how to counter punch in these games. You got to <laughs> learn how to be resilient. And uh, you know, I, I mean, we did a good job from game to game, but within the the time frame of a game where you're you know, you take a few shots, the other team gets their momentum, you know, you're going to have to learn to, you know, how to rebound and, and be able to handle that mentally. And I think we showed last weekend that we can do that, especially against BU. And uh, so I, I really have a good feeling, you know, as, as far as the Gophers moving forward against BC in that sense. Andrew Soderquist asked via Twitter, what line or matchup is key for the Minnesota BC game? Ryan? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you've seen it with Lucia. I mean, he's not a big fan of this line's going to go against whomever. And, you know, even less, that's going to be the case, even less in this game, just because, you know, he's not going to have the luxury to match lines. I mean, you can do it on the fly, whatever. But, um, you know, much like the North Dakota game, Boston College is going to get the last change. But, um, you know, just in hearing him on his radio show, I think he's not big on that, especially going into this game. And, you know, again, it seems like Boston College, I mean, you look, you know, their top guys are pretty spread out amongst their top three lines. I mean, you know, Kreider is obviously their big horse, and, you know, Kevin Hayes is a good player. That's the one, you know, kind of their second line, if you will. But, again, they're pretty spread out. I mean, they have kind of two horses on each line and then a third guy to kind of get in there and muck it up, it looks like. So I don't think, you know, maybe what Boston College may want to match with the Gophers. I don't know enough about, about BC and if they have one of their lines that's a lot better defensively than another. But, um, you know, I would assume Lucia is just going to roll the top three lines heavily and sprinkle in the fourth line here and there. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of line matching from a gopher perspective. 
Yeah, I, you know, it's hard to tell from that standpoint. I mean, that's something that the coaches obviously have to break down video to decide on. But for me, you know, I think that the key is going to be the second and third lines. You know, I mean, if, if we get some offense from those lines, I, you know, we've seen it all year long. That's usually when the Gophers are at their best. And if we get some, you know, goals from the, you know, the Condons and the uh, Howlas and, you know, players like that, I mean, you know, Jake Hansen, I, I feel pretty good about the Gophers' chances. Uh, you, you kind of expect that that top line is going to get a goal or two in a game. And, and if you start getting some additional, you know, offensive output from some of those second and third line guys, then, you know, you really like your chances. So we'll see how it goes. But I would say that, you know, it's going to be some of those unsung guys that, you know, maybe rise to the occasion that will, you know, hopefully tip the scales for the Gophers. So you guys think Minnesota's going to beat Boston College? Will they finish it up and take out Union and or Ferris? Ryan, final thoughts on it? Absolutely. I mean, nice. I think I think it helps with the day off. To be honest, I mean, I think that'll help the Gophers kind of recalibrate a little bit. I mean, you know, get I a think, little sun. Well, but you know, they're human too. I mean, they're everyone. I mean, not everyone, whatever. But you know, let's face it. There's two big time programs down there, and there are two programs making their first time appearance in the Frozen Four. So, you know, they're. I'm sure they're looking at the game against Boston College is huge. But I think that day in between, just to you know, kind of get the coaching staff to refocus them and settle them down and. Make them realize, hey, you know, that wasn't the national championship. We still have to beat a, you know, pretty good defensive team, whoever it's going to be. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think if they can get past, past Boston College, I think the coaching staff has shown that they can get the guys refocused and, you know, kind of honed in. And I don't think there's any reason why, again, if they can't, if they can get past BC, why they can't uh, take the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah well, uh, maybe Lucia should bust out the Herb Brooks uh, speech against the Russians <laughs> for BC. Or maybe have Cal Dietz do it like he did this it, past Sunday. Yeah, and then you win that game, and then, of course, you have to remember that the 1980 team didn't win the gold medal until they beat the, uh, <laughs> what was it, the Swedes or whoever it was in the, you know, the final game. So, Finns. Yeah, the Finns, okay. Well, Finns. I blocked that out of my memory. Finns. I'm part Finnish. So, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, you know, maybe it's kind of one of those deals. But, you know, you, you have to finish it off and – you know, if I believe whoever's going to win that BC Minnesota game, I believe will win the title. I mean, I, you, of course, you can't rule out goaltending being great. You know, and uh, in those one game situations, and uh, so we'll have to see. I don't like predicting championships. That's just not my deal. So I, I might uh, kind of pull a cardinal on this one and say we'll see how I feel the day of the game or whatever. But. Uh, um, but I like our chances. If we beat BC, I like our chances in that final game. But uh, I'm not going to predict anything yet. So I'll, I'll couch my uh, prediction on that one. Craig Kilmer says via Twitter, and we wouldn't have to play on Friday, thank God. <laughs> so there's always that. I'm going with the Gophers, man. I'm rubing it up. Uh, it's been an unbelievable season. None of us saw this coming. We saw improvement, but we didn't see this coming at all. And uh, it wouldn't kill me, obviously, if we lose. But uh, I think the boys have it in them. And shocking, all the guys here are picking the Gophers to win the national title. Eat that, people. <laughs> Final thoughts, guys. Uh, just are real you going? happy. No, I won't be there, oh. fortunately. Cardinal, you may go. 
Nah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find ways, but the thing that, I mean, with the little guy, it kind of complicates it with Easter yep. and got the newborn. He's going to be meeting family for the first time a lot. So as much as I'm sure the wife, again, she would let me, but there'd be consequences and I would feel kind of bad. You would so, pay big time. <laughs> now, if we end up winning in BPC and we play Ferris State or something, like, I mean, yeah, am I going to be on Expedia on Thursday night at 1030? Yeah, like I probably will. <laughs> now, whether or not I get gutsy with it, who knows? But yeah, it's just, it's too tough with, you know, again, the Easter thing and the prices and everything else just makes it uh, a little bit tough at the moment. All right. Well, if you guys don't have anything else, we're good to go. go Shameless over. self-promotion. I will be with uh, in studio with Paul Allen tomorrow. In so, studio. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a little bit uh, a little bit early. I don't know. I'm assuming we'll maybe do something next week as well. It's kind of a weird deal. I don't mm-hmm. know what his schedule is. A lot of off time this time of the year and whatever. But uh, yeah. So for the people that listen to this between either live or listen to the podcast between now and then, a little. Uh, College Hockey Talk for a couple segments on uh, KFAN at 9.53 or whatever their new segment thing is. So just before 10 o'clock on uh, Wednesday. And, of course, they can follow you at Ryan Cardinal on Twitter if you allow them to. There's too much spam. I mean, I, I like when there's hot chicks sending me links, but it's it's too tempting. They just appear. <laughs> it's not like email where, like, I, they need to actually open it. I don't even do that. But you see these things and it's like eh, yep. one of these times I'm going to click it and then we get a virus. It's a work computer and it's just going to go down to a bad area. So that's why I'm blocked. Well, people and, can click it and you can always accept it. So I accept everyone except if there's that Indian head in the logo. I will not accept oh. them. Everyone else. We're good. <laughs> and Hammy, we can always follow you on Hammy hockey with all your recruiting stuff and what have you. Correct. Correct. We're going to take a couple weeks off. I mean, we've just previewed the Frozen Four. We need to cool off. You know, We'll be back in two weeks to wrap up the 2011-2012 season and hopefully be talking about a national championship. Who knows? We'll just uh, keep our fingers crossed. Don't forget the riots. <laughs> hey, don't riot, people. <laughs> don't be idiots. All right? And I just hope that the Gopher Puck Live website stays up for once when it's getting hammered with traffic. Now you shut down registration, right? Registration's been shut down since uh, for at least over a week, no, about a week and a half. So, ah, okay. Uh, I Patrick made Ricey. I made one exception today, but that was for a special person. So, Patrick oh. Ricey uh, uh, will complain about how he if Ricey could. Yeah, I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> um. So hopefully the site will stay up. I will try to monitor it as best as I can when I'm in Tampa. Um, what are you afraid of? Like it's going to be too much traffic or what? Traffic issues. But, you know, funny thing is uh, we had tons of traffic on Monday and even later times on Sunday, and the site ran great. I, I think my uh, provider is just having little network issues, and sometimes it just sucks. So not much I can do. Well, thanks, guys, for joining in. Have fun in Tampa. I will yep. have fun in Tampa. And we're going to close the show with a special rant that happened on the radio yesterday. A guy named Double J on WTBX 93.9 FM radio out of Hibbing had a nice rant about UND. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening in, guys. I would like to offer my condolences to all the Fighting Sioux fans in our listening audience. Ouch. Last night's 5-2 thumping at the hands of your arch rivals must have been tough to deal with. You know, the team season being finished at all. 
I had the pleasure, and I do mean pleasure, of watching that tilt last night. I know there aren't a ton of Gopher fans around here. This is more Bulldog country. And yes, I root for the UMD hockey squad too, but I was born and raised a Gopher hockey fan. I don't have a choice. And that really doesn't matter, because whether you root Gopher, Bulldog, Beaver, or Husky, I think we can all agree it's just plain fun watching Minnesota teams beat up on the lesser program to the Northwest. Seriously, Sioux fans, you're pretty pathetic. The only reason, and I do mean only reason, UND has such a crazed fan base is this. Have you ever been to Grand Forks, North Dakota? I mean, on purpose? Sure, people get blown there by accident all the time, but hopefully those 100-mile-an-hour winds gliding across the flat nothingness zip you out of that wasteland just as fast as it brought you in. God forbid anyone has to go there on purpose, either because you went to school there or, even worse, your kids went to school there, meaning you have to visit them. Besides the bright, shiny beacon of offensive mascotness that you call the Engelstead Arena, there is nothing but dark, gray, oftentimes flooded sadness. Yeah, your hockey arena is okay, but if you nestle that building in a real city, say a Duluth or Minneapolis downtown, trust me, it would just blend in. Why am I being so hard on the UND fans? Simple. You are the worst. You're the Packer fans of college hockey. Keep your mulleted, dead gopher-tossing, 5XL jersey-wearing selves out of our state. Quit trying to pretend you have any sort of pride in your hockey program. What, you think North Dakota's some kind of hockey hotbed? Really? Get a lot of recruits out of NODAC, do ya? You do realize that your roster, year after year, is comprised mainly of Minnesotans. Minnesotans who weren't good enough, smart enough, or for legal reasons, able to play for one of our state schools. Yeah, they're still good hockey players, just too bad they have to wear the green and black. And now, to my friends and relatives from North Dakota, and I have many, please turn off your radios and or computers now, because this gets a little personal. Because I'm tired of hearing from North Dakotans about how great a place North Dakota is to live, to raise a family, to spend eternity. Haven't you heard? We're one of the top states to find a job, to rear children, to enjoy a high quality of life. Why is that again? Because of your pristine and abundant lakes, your lush forests, your major metropolitan areas, your great skiing, your arts and culture? No, it's because you struck oil. Good for you. Yeah, that's right. We got all this oil now, so we're better than you. We've got so many jobs here and so much oil. Yep, you're certainly recruiting the cream of the crop to move out and work on those oil fields. Sounds like a decent law-abiding niche you've transplanted into your great state. No criminals out there. Nope, it's just one big crab boat fracking for oil. When I think of the North Dakota oil boom, I just think of all the other amazing places in the world where they boast their oil production. Places like Texas, Libya, and the Middle East. Yep, I wouldn't want to live in any of those places either. You keep your oil, we'll keep our hockey players. Let's just call it good.